0: Supper 2021, a series of conversations with culinary leaders, drink specialists, and hospitality professionals in the world of F&B.
1: Hello, and welcome to the 8th Supper podcast of 2021. I am Hilary Rand, consulting editor of Supper magazine, and today I'm delighted to welcome Rosemary, director and founder of These White Walls, as my guest. These White Walls is a luxury-led and concept-driven studio founded in 2017. Rose and her team take a blank canvas approach to creativity so that each interior emerges as unique. The studio creates beautifully crafted bespoke interiors for the luxury hospitality and residential sectors. Rose's approach explores how our everyday experiences can be redefined by the spaces that we inhabit. She uses her academic background in anthropology alongside a well-honed talent for visual storytelling to inform the studio's distinct approach. Lovely to have you here on the Supper podcast, Rose. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> um, I gave a bit of your background, but like very, very tiny bit of it. So um, why don't we start off by, by you kind of um, uh, expanding on that and, and uh, tell me a bit about how you set up these white walls in the first place.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, I guess mine is a fairly unconventional path to, to setting up an interior design studio. I mean, as you mentioned, I studied anthropology and not interior design. Um, and I initially thought I was going to go into um, editorial. And it was it was an internship I did at Vogue for three weeks. And on the last day, um, the editor at large sort of said, oh, you know, have you got anything planned? Have you got a job coming? And I had nothing planned. I didn't know what was coming next. And so I just thought, I could give me a job. Yeah. And um, yeah, I ended up styling a cookery book for Nigella Lawson. Then working for her for several years, and that introduced me to the world of editorial styling. Um, I was also concurrently doing um, event design, scenography, uh, set dressing. So I ended up having this sort of crazy decade of, um, I guess, a kind of multimedia approach to learning and it came at a time when pop-ups um, were, were really thriving and they were emerging. And I was doing a lot of event spaces um, for chefs, which then became semi-permanent. Then I got introduced to working in you know permanent spaces, working with architects. And I just very much learned on the job um, via osmosis and um, got to the point where I was meeting doing concept development. And then, yeah, the, the right client came along and I thought, here's the time to bring all of that experience together and, and, you know, define a studio. So that's, that's really how it happened. And and who was the right client? Uh, So the right client was Evgeny from Hedoners and Wines. Um, And yeah, I knew I really had this feeling. I lived in London. I love London. I love working with chefs and I love creating incredible spaces. And I was like, I just, I would love to do, you know, a, a, a real, Um, yeah star space um, in London and he came along with this you know big three-story what looked like a brutalist car park of a building and said I want this to be the most beautiful restaurant in London go. What a a brief right what an amazing brief for a designer. It was it totally was and I think I just I was so excited for it and I just went nuts and and just kept on producing 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 and I was very Lucky that, you know, he, he gave me a lot of creative freedom to experiment and I would bring him ideas and he'd go, I love that, let's do it. And you know, it's wonderful to have a client that says, let's do it let's make it work because you know that's your dream really um and so we did everything and I really threw myself into you know creative finishes working with artists you know building joinery designing trolleys like you know you name it I was like let's just do it (laughs) um so it was a complete joy bit of a baptism of fire as well but um you know throw yourself in the deep end but what what a baptism!
1: I just walked uh, past on 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 Piccadilly uh, the other day, and 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 uh, you know every time I look um, at the restaurant, I just um, I, I'm still in awe. So it's, it's it definitely is an incredibly beautiful, um, uh, beautiful project, and and uh, it, it was really 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 nice to hear the, the whole story when you talked about it um, uh, some time ago. Uh, you know everything mm. everyone that you brought brought together, and and um, the world of food and beverage and and hospitality in general is. Is really exciting even throughout the pandemic I think there's been Mm. so many things happening so tell me what's what's kept you busy I'm sure as a designer as a creative it's hard to especially probably during lockdown of of being you know confined to your your own spaces and not being able to explore so what has what has kept you busy over the sort of last year and a half
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it was interesting. Obviously, that was a brutal blow to the hospitality industry. And, and, you know, when it first happened, I think we all took a big gasp. Um, And yeah, lots of projects were sort of limped to a halt um, initially. And, you know, as a studio, what kind of kept us busy was actually some incredible clients who had some private residential, which is an arm of the business I was keen to explore, but um, hadn't as yet. So we took a journey, you know, in that direction, which, you know, was really helped us to survive. Um, And then, you know, as we got later into the year, there was a little bit more confidence. And then we picked up the hospitality projects again, and, and we're picking up more now, which is, you know, really encouraging um but yeah it was I'm. I'm I love being on site I love being out and about I love conversations I love being a workshop so it it was quite yeah it was quite tough initially and but I think I think there was something um about being present at home and coming back to the fundamentals of um, what do you need to feel safe, secure, inspired, rested. And and I think those are really important as an interior designer to return to. Um, it's not all just about big, bold statements. You want to bring it really back to the basics of what what we need. And then emerging from the pandemic I'm sort of taking all those thoughts and thinking and integrating them into the designs now and saying, well, people need to feel safe um, as well as you know, that contradiction of, of wanting and escapism. And I think that's, I'm really bringing those sort of learnings into the design that we're doing now.
1: And, and I think you also kept yourself uh, creatively busy, um, renovating, a, renovating a property uh, oh that, that, that's your own, which, which I guess is again, <laughs> exactly what you said, you know, being uh, sort of very present and, and going back a bit to, to the basics. Do you think that's what mm. kept you sort of inspired throughout the
0: times when we really had very limited mobility? Definitely, definitely. I mean, I I made a move, even though the studio is still based in London, I actually made a move to the seaside. And I think that was a call for space. Freedom, um, you know. I learned to sail, so being by the sea was a really big part of, you know, like feeling inspired. So I think, you know, being really embodied um, and going out there and exploring, um, and then yes, like you say, renovating a house. So you know, it, I'm used to doing other people's spaces, but my own. That was that was an interesting project altogether, and it, and it enabled me to keep my my feet in there, you know, in the experience and, you know, knocking down walls, putting in steels, and yeah, like being creative in my own space. Um, and yeah, digging into that and i think i wouldn't have had the the space or time if it hadn't been for the pandemic to kind of you know give that um the, the time that it needed
1: so so being by the seaside can we expect some maritime themes in your
0: next projects <laughs> absolutely i you know i'm waiting for the next yacht interior i haven't thought about doing that next but yeah or maybe a floating hotel or something i'm up for it yeah for sure
1: <laughs> well i'm um, i'm i'm hoping uh, someone who's listening uh, take rose up on that because if she can transfer what she's doing on land uh to the to the floating uh, vessels i think it would be incredible um and talking about projects uh,
0: rose what is uh, what are you currently working on Gosh, I mean, we've got we've got a full selection. So, you know, there there, there are the ongoing sort of semi private residentials that we're doing, as I mentioned. But hospitality wise, I mean, we're we're in the process of launching a boutique hotel in Italy um, alongside a large restaurant there. Um, uh, we're also been working with a sparkling wine producer in the UK to do their pressing centre. Um, there's another fine dining restaurant in central London. So there's, yeah, so there's, there's a mixture going on and they're, they're all quite different with different clients. So it's, um, yeah, it's exciting to have a, to be working on a varied portfolio again.
1: Well, wonderful. And a lot of hospitality and, and restaurants in there. So, uh, first, can you tell me a bit more about the project in Italy? Cause I think it sounds absolutely fascinating.
0: Mm, yes. Yes. No, it's, it's a glorious project we were working on it for quite a while like the year leading up to the pandemic so we were able to do a great deal and then it just slowly was being built but essentially it's um it's sort of an 800 year old farmhouse um in the piedmont wine region um in the lovely hills and valleys there and um it's it's a small building 10 bedrooms and we had a lot of restrictions in terms of the sort of local heritage and conservation so we couldn't enlarge the footprint so we had to be sort of quite careful about you know retaining that um history um but also creating something new and given the space we had to do certain things which were quite fun like putting baths in front of the beds and you know like it, it was it was a good creative um potential there in terms of we also had these sort of cellars underneath which have been turned into the spa um and then landscaping the grounds and planting vines was another part of um, the offering because they have their own wines and then building from the ground up a sort of three-story space, event space and, and restaurant. Um, and that was sort of driven by um, Andrea Ribaldoni, and it's got um, a young British chef who lives in Italy, who's you know working there called Charlie Pierce. Um, and it, you know, there's there's so much there. You know, the the, the grapes are going to create the wines, and it, you know, it it's a really holistic experience. And I think you know, given the fact that we began working on it pre-COVID. It still stands the test of that because I was very interested already in this idea that maybe we're experiencing overwhelm and we really need to look at a kind of a retreat space. Um, whereby you get to reconnect with nature. You basically get to sort of turn the screens off. We didn't actually put televisions in any of the bedrooms. That was a conscious choice. Um, But then mix that with a kind of cultivated indulgence with the delicious food and, and, you know, the spa. Um, And I think it was bringing those sort of dual aspects of nature and nurture together um, that actually post-pandemic are completely relevant now. So it's quite exciting to sort of see that. Um, tam- stand the test of time before it's even launched
1: <laughs> <laughs> well it's gone through a few phases already right so I'm, yeah
0: I'm sure it's
1: uh it's it, it makes to a, a nice story once it does open um, I loved your um your wording experiencing overwhelm I think this is just it encapsulates mm. things so perfectly um and I yeah. think that's 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 not tr- transition journey that we're in of, of mm. what are all the new places that are that are opening and talking about openings when when can we expect this this fantastic uh, place in Italy to open its doors.
0: So Nordelia is a, is a name and it's actually in soft launch at the moment. Um, okay. And then the restaurant is still, is still um, ongoing, but they, both are open. Um, and, you know, we're kind of continuing to go back in and you know finish this up the styling and then, you know, the rest of the furniture and items will go in, but it's still, it, you can go visit now. It's beautiful. It's ongoing what we're doing and finishing it off. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's glad it's, you know, so it's, it's a good place to get it open now. So if you're in Italy, um, and then go and visit it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely oh, going on my list Rosa for sure yes. <laughs> and um, uh, we, we, when we talk about restaurant design um, you started with sort of an independent chef owner and and mm. designing for that and now going into the hotel side of things um, mm. how have you seen that as a transition uh, because obviously it, a hot Oh, you know it's it's a hot topic that's debated what makes a ho- good hotel restaurant in terms of mm. concept in terms of design what's your mm. sort of take on it because you've come from the for first of all the set design side making working with great chefs and then moving mm. on to design and then moving into uh, restaurants within hotels
0: yeah yeah I mean I think I think ever more so the the, the chefs themselves are key um you know they're really an important part of, of what the draw is people people want to know who the chef is now, whereas a few years back, it was more about who's the hotelier and where's the location. Um And I think that's really, really important. And for me, I I mean, I love food. I'm a real foodie. And I, what's wonderful about working with chefs is they share the foodie, they talk about what they care about. And I really try and bring that into the design. I don't feel that I'm there. I'm not there to overshadow or overwhelm like it's really down to those fundamentals um but you're there to complement and it has to have the space has to have longevity so uh you know you can do something which is wild and wacky but you you know for the operator for the people the owners they don't want it to just be a flash in the pan so um it's very important to create something which is new fresh that that represents the ethos of the space um and is inviting and exciting but equally will stand the test of time
1: and, and do you think that, you know, you as a designer, as a creative, for me, chefs are 100% creatives, that you have mm-hmm. more of sort of a, a common language than let's say when an operator or an owner tries to maybe, uh, you know, uh, give their opinions or, 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 or set the direction? Do you think that, that you're kind of in more in the boat with the chefs and you find the sort of creative process much more natural?
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's it's because they take in order to make the perfect plate and the perfect dish, they have to harmonize a load of different elements, you know, the different types of uh, food sources that go into that, like all the flavors, the scents. And uh, I, I, I really resonate with that. Um, I really understand that, you know, you take these disparate things, and you put them together, which makes them into, uh, you know, something which is greater than some of its parts. And I feel very much like, I totally get that as an interior designer. That's what you're doing. It's not just the piece of furniture. It's the lighting. It's you know the ambience that you're creating. It's the materials that you're using. We're kind of doing a similar thing, um, and I think it comes from because of the early days, you know, working, you know, with a cook and doing design doing the plate styling I just expanded from that so I started with the plate then it became the room then it became the restaurant then it became the building and so yeah I, I think there's definitely some part of me that zooms in in order to zoom out and it's um yeah it's a key part of my process I think.
1: You, you've really done the sort of bottoms up approach, you know, like from, mm. from the plate to the, to the room, to the, to, 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 you know, growing just, just bigger. So I think it's, um, I think it's absolutely fascinating. And, and, and tell me, um, obviously one of the topics when we talk about, you know, food and concepts, but also now materials uh, is sustainability because we just can't get mm. around that word. Um, what's your sort of take on it? Because I, as I know everyone's sort of rushing for it now, trying to get these accreditations and, and mm. saying we're really green and ecological, well, as I think some people are saying, "Okay, let's let's do this step by step and make sure that also the materials and and, and everything that we're putting into place also work with the concept. How are you sort of tackling that um, that topic?
0: I mean, it's it's something which is super important for all of us. And I think I think a lot of us in the interior design industry or the construction industry are hyper aware of how much wastage there is, um, and I, I think this sort of whole like oh you know create something that's cool now and it, it, you know doesn't last is, is definitely not the way forward. And um, I think there's responsibility for us as well as to make our clients aware because we can only respond to the demand. Um, You know, it's key to um, impress upon a client the options. um, But you've got to sort of help help them to understand why and um, also make it make it feasible for them. um, Because until those, you know, the sustainable ethical choice is affordable, it's going to be difficult. But You know, at the moment we're we're working um, with chefs who now have more of a kind of vegetable-based diet, you know, or or on the menu. Um, And equally, funny that you mentioned, you know, seaside themes. We're we're actually putting some seaweed into the decor, and we're using, um, you know, dried organic goods um, as part of um, the decor in a particular um, scheme that we're doing at the moment. And I I think you have to be playful, curious, um, and look at alternatives. I mean. um, it's the only way to handle these issues is to look at it as a as a kind of parameter that you um you can find a creative solution to um but yeah we're all in this and um I don't I, I definitely wouldn't define myself as a sustainable practice I just aim to go that way mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. and I think that's important for all of us
1: and and uh, how much do you think things have changed on the supplier side because obviously you need to work with with certain materials um mm. certain elements that I, and I think there's there's difficulties there to to make things uh perhaps sustainable in a, in a way that the world is moving uh maybe mm. the pace is 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 different right so how do you um how do you sort of um uh, d- deal with that are you are you are you looking for other um, opportunities I mean I'm sure you're always on the lookout for new things and and and, mm. and new suppliers but uh what sort of i guess what exciting has happened on that side of things as well uh because you're constantly in touch I, I presume with uh with with people that you work with
0: yeah i mean you know on the it's it's interesting isn't it the supply of things at the moment the cost of some things is crazy steel you know cost of timber um brass all, all of those sort of you know quite fundamental materials um is is very costly and so therefore i think you have to look at alternatives i mean a big you know, a big move is terrazzo um, and recycled marble, um, composite stone as well. You know, it was something which, you know, for my own kitchen, I remember thinking, oh, love natural stone, but it doesn't feel like the right choice. And they, mm. so therefore, you know, looking at, um, you know, other man-made materials um, and and recognising that that's a conscious choice that I, I need to make as well. Um, but it's crazy the amount of stuff, I mean, you know, pineapple levers was something I was looking at the other day, or, or, or fish leather, like, you know, wastage um, from, you know, that the fishing industry can be made into materials. I mean, that's super exciting for me. I mean, materials are, are something which I'm constantly keen to experiment with and explore. And um, there are people out there who are doing the same. So um, I think it's, again, you know, a creative opportunity.
1: And, and tell me, um, about, uh, working with, you know, you're working with all kinds of different types of clients. I would, I would presume. And, and when we, when we started our conversation, you, you, you said you found like the perfect client who said, this is what we want to do. Um, as a creative, you know, you, you, you have a vision and, and you need to translate that vision. Um, how easy or hard is that? How do you sort of, you know, get your way with, with clients? How do you convince them? What's your
0: secret power? What's my secret power? Um, <laughs> I think I think people I mean I'm quite brave um you know and I think big um, but equally I'm very real and I think that's what clients need they you know they don't want a creative maniac that can't make things happen I think like you say because I worked from the from I mean, maybe I could be a creative maniac but I've worked from the ground up and I think that's a really important part of, of my approach. And I'm like, I understand that things need to be made real. And how do we do that? Um, and particularly, I think working in, you know, in, in set design um, and event design, where you really can explode the concept and do something quite escapist. That is always something that I, I bring in. And um, I think what it is, is I will reassure and I will let the client know that I can answer the brief. But I'll then take them beyond that and show them what's possible beyond what they've already seen. And for me, that's super exciting. And I love the response of a client when they hadn't thought of going that far. I'm like, well, this is entirely possible and that's what I'm here to help you do. And, and I think also in terms of, you know, actually more than just words, there are many things that we can do for a client to sort of see what this vision looks like, and we use a lot of um, photorealistic CGIs, for example, um, which really help the client to see because they can't get in your own head, and the technical drawings are too much to understand. But if we can bring that all together and, and show them, then they're like, "Oh, I get it." And what's wonderful is you create the CGI, and then you see it actualize um, in reality. And I think when you take clients on that journey and they see it, it's 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 fantastic.
1: Great, and and talking about clients seeing it, um, obviously the pandemic was was um, curb travel and and we you couldn't get to uh, to, the, to the sites actually. But but I I know you've been busy lately of of, of flying uh, back and forth and, and being able yeah. to actually go to sites. That's a game changer, right? Being able to actually be yeah. there physically, look at things, yeah, um, and and get inspired. So um, do you think there's going to be some sort of a hybrid going forward in terms of how you're going to manage projects or what what will you take from this experience? What will you keep?
0: Definitely, definitely. I mean, pre pandemic, I, I already felt a bit exhausted by the level of travel that I was doing. It was crazy. And I feel like in the last sort of two months, it's gone a little bit crazy. But I think that's a temporary kind of emerging from just lockdown and having to like, clients be like, oh, we just need to see you. And, and it's so important to be there on site for real um it's been we've managed to get through the pandemic but it has been a bit of a coping mechanism like photographing stuff and you know oh can you approve this um on my phone you know it's all been a little bit tough we've got through it you know we've all done it and we've kept things moving forward but yeah the reality of being on site seeing the light conditions feeling the materials and troubleshooting because there's always always the unexpected that arrives and you just have to go there find a solution Equally, um, I think what has been very positive um, is how technology has assisted us through the pandemic to prove that you do not need to fly across the world to have a meeting um, or a day's worth of meetings. You can just jump on Zoom. And I think going back to not being... yeah not, not contradicting myself too much about being more aware of sustainability that's definitely something that we have to take into consideration and we're able to do that now nobody really used zoom you couldn't get clients or contractors on it yeah. um let alone you know ourselves whereas now it's like great let's just jump on a zoom we can sort this all out um and that's i think that's fantastic and technology is is key i think so the hybrid model definitely is is going to keep going
1: Great, Rose. And my last question to you, I hope that on, on your recent travels, uh, you've also been able to explore a bit on the food and drink world, because uh, I, I know that uh, we, we both uh, really love eating out, trying new things. So tell me something that excites you right now that's happening in the food and drink world. What, what have you seen recently? What sort of uh, sparked your curiosity?
0: Oh, I think, I mean, many, many things. I think I'm quite excited about women in the industry, really. Like, yeah, you know, yes, exactly. I think women in the industry, the female chefs particularly, that's super exciting. It was not something that was on the radar before. And now, you know, we've got Kim Woodward, we've got Asma Khan. I mean, we've got, um, you know, women who are celebrating their heritage through their food, creating incredible, beautiful, glamorous restaurants. Um, You know, Martina Ortiz uh you know so many of them and also then incorporating like you know veganism into the menus uh I think that for me you know as a as a female business owner um you know running a female team that's super exciting um so yeah that's that's kind of on my radar as something I hope will stay
1: well, w- wonderful! I'm I'm looking forward to uh, an, an announcement, Rose. We're gonna design an, an absolutely superb restaurant that's run uh, slow solely by uh, by women in the, in the kitchen and on the floor. So I think yeah. that, that's gonna be really really epic. And I want to actually end with this really high note because I, I I think it's super positive. So Rose, thank you again for being on on the supper podcast podcast. It's been really lovely having you. Mm,
0: pleasure, absolute pleasure. Supper 2021, a series of conversations with culinary leaders, drink specialists and hospitality professionals in the world of F&B.